Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Red, and some of the best product managers in the business. Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman, and I am a professor here at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business, and I am the founding director of the Product Management Center, which is a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact made possible by two of the people here on this stage. Red Russick was on the founding advisory board, helped us build this from the ground up, and Sumeya jumped in really early and really formed what has been an exciting trio, a collaboration that's changed a lot of lives. Maybe by a lot, I just mine, Red, and Sumeya's, I don't know. But we have had a lot of fun being here every single week talking about how to succeed in product management. And each week we bring in some of the best product managers in the business, and we have them share their insights with you and with each other. And today we are going to talk with one of those fantastic PMs, and we're going to talk about finding your leadership voice. So that's the topic today finding your leadership voice, and we're going to dive into when you should find it, how you should find it, why you should find it, and how you should use it. And so Sumeya is our product executive in residence. Do you mind diving right into why should everybody care about finding your leadership voice? Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. I just want to throw out there that I get a lot of uh, follow-up messages from listeners who listen to the podcast. So I want to thank them because uh, some of those follow-ups ask really great questions and uh, they want to go deeper in the conversation. And I think that's always helpful to me and to everybody else. So I am happy that we, we get to have these conversations from PMs all around the world. And so Jeff and Dred, thanks for creating this with me and with everyone here in the community and doing it every week. So to answer (laughs) your question, Jeff, finding and nurturing your leadership voice, why is that important? I think it's important not just for PMs, for everybody else and for everyone who wants to make an impact, for everyone who wants to do their best. Leadership is not just about, you know, managing people. It's about inspiring them. And a lot of times that needs effective communications to do that. What does effective communication look like for you? What does it look like for someone else that can be different? There are certain characteristics that are common and some of the ways to get there that are common. And we're going to get to talk about that today. So I'm excited about that. But what I love about this specific topic is that communication or effective communication looks different for every person. And we're going to talk about creating an authentic and using what is intuitively just you to build that. So I'm excited about this topic and happy to hear what others have to say as well. All right. We are here joined. uh, The idea for this topic of finding your leadership voice came from a product leader at PayPal. Ronki, tell us a little bit about your journey in product and why you chose today's topic uh, as important to current and aspiring product managers of all experience levels. Thank you so much for having me. So I started off in product management, not the traditional way. It was I didn't study computer science or anything. I just started off as a technical support representative for a bankruptcy filing application. And I became the subject matter expert in it. I could tell the engineering team what the top five problems are and how they should tackle it. I would even prioritize it for them. So they needed a content person to do the forms for the bankruptcy filing application. I applied for that role. Uh, I got it. And then I started working with a product manager who was the brains behind everything. And I basically, she would give me requirements and then I would go do the forms. And I wanted to learn how she did her job. So I would basically just follow her around. (laughs) And eventually she trusted me and she would let me call the bankruptcy courts and do the research myself. 
And then ultimately she moved on and I became the product manager on that product. And that's how I started um, on a desktop bankruptcy filing application. Eventually I, um, I went on and I well helped build a SaaS version of it. And then I moved on from there to working on other SaaS applications, CRM tools for your uh, institutional investors. And then in 2018, I fell madly in love with this man. He lived in San Jose, California. And then I moved to San Jose and I ended up working for PayPal, where I help large enterprise merchants manage and grow their business. And that is my journey into PM. All right. Thank you. What a, a great journey. And I hope uh, one thing I, I love about these journeys is it inspires people because there's all sorts of paths into product management. There's no one correct way. And then that follow-up question for you, Ronki, is the uh, why did you recommend today's topic of finding your leadership voice? I did because I want other PMs to find their leadership voice. And if your voice is being muted, then you need to think about other ways to use that voice because when you use your voice, you can impact other people coming behind you who want to get into the product management space. And also, if that road is not there, you can help build that road so that the people coming after you after you have an easier time getting into product and they can learn the skill sets that they need and therefore they can be successful. So that is why using your leadership voice is so important. All right. And as we discuss finding your leadership voice. If anybody wants to share their voice on today's podcast recording, Red Rusek, founding advisory board member of the Product Management Center, the reason we are all here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how people can get involved and lend their voice to today's conversation. Absolutely. Well, for one, if you haven't heard of this show before and you're new here, welcome, welcome all. We have a Slack group that we have going for those who are interested in asking questions during the show or perhaps after the show, reconnecting with over 1,500 other product managers. So if you're someone who's interested in joining this group, please, or actually, sorry, <clears throat> keep me honest here, Jeff, 1,450. Sorry, but I will put on a link right above this group in Clubhouse. But if you're someone who's listening to us in the ether of our podcast, 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 uh, we have How to Succeed in Product Management podcasts. If you're someone listening to this and you want to join the Slack group, find me on LinkedIn. Actually, uh, Jeff Samea, you're going to get a kick out of this. Every single show, I always tell people to throw a stone or send a carrier pigeon. This week, I got two people to send me a pigeon and throw a stone my way, and I knew exactly what they were talking about. So it's working. I, I don't <laughs> think I've got the facts, but... <laughs> Ooh, tell us more. <laughs> I'm just, you know, old school marketing, right? So if you're someone who's interested in joining this community or listening to the show, great. There's a red dot at the top of the screen because at about halfway through... We're going to encourage you to raise your hand, come on stage and ask questions. This is a community. We want to be inclusive and we want to meet you product managers where you want to be met. So yeah, just stay in touch. Join the Slack group when I put that link up and have a fun show tonight. And if you're listening to us and how to succeed in product management on the podcast, thank you for hitting download. Really appreciate you. Back to you, Jeff. And not only hitting download, but hitting like and subscribe, although that's on YouTube. So hitting subscribe and also rating us, right? Why not give us five stars while you're at it? Uh, Red and Sumea, given their hours and hours and hours of their lives for you, give us a quick five-star review so uh, other people can find it. But anyway, so in about uh, 20 minutes, we'll open it up to audience questions. Until then, it is my turn to ask some questions. And Ronki, my first question for you is, what's the difference between a leadership voice and just a voice in general? So you said if you're not if you're muted, that's a, a problem. So what is a, a leadership voice? How do you know that you found your leadership voice versus uh, you're just talking about anything else? That's a great question, Jeff. I think that your leadership voice, you use it to make a difference, to bring about change for the better, right? I agree. You can just use your voice to say anything. But if you, to me, your leadership voice means you're literally making a difference. So to give you an example, if your scrum, if your product management team is not diverse, you can use your voice, your leadership voice as a PM to, to help everybody in your organization understand why that's not a great thing. Because you want to compete with the emerging global markets, which is diverse in demographic. So therefore, you need diverse individuals in your product management team to help you to build the right products. Because they're coming from different backgrounds, they have different viewpoints, they can help you to build products that are just not for one group, but for, from, but for anybody. 
so that your product can be successful. And also because you're not building for today, you're building for the future as well. So the more voices, the more diverse voices, the better. And so if your organization, for instance, is not that diverse, you can use your leadership voice as a PM to help your organization understand why that's important. Sumeya, anything to add to that as to whether you've found your leadership voice or just a voice in general that might not be leading or pushing in the right direction? Yes. One of the most important aspects of uh, the product management role is influence without authority. A lot of product managers don't actually have anyone report to them, but they have to influence teams of people and many collaborators to get work done and to direct them in a specific direction and to influence a lot of the decision making. And so, For that to be done effectively, a large part of it is all about the communication. For the product manager, their primary product is not necessarily getting something on paper or something done or getting the software built because you have engineers and designers working on that day uh, in and day out. For the PM, it's truly that communication they have to do. And the thinking, of course, that has to happen behind the scenes and the strategic thought that has to go into it. But at the end of the day, the actual deliverable or the action that they do most of the time, more than 50% of you know the, the, the job, is about communicating to others, with others, and through others. And so a large part of that is about bringing your leadership, bringing your voice to make sure that the product management actually gets done and the product gets built. All right. And Red, I want to put you on the spot. I know you're in service to product managers rather than being a product manager yourself, but you've been a real leader, leading by being on the founding advisory board of the Product Management Center, leading by bringing Sumeya and me together and leading by bringing all the PMs together every week here on this show. So I'm just curious if you have any thoughts how somebody could find their leadership voice and distinguish between just speaking up versus leading, speaking up in leadership? Ooh, um, if I had to push this to simplicity, when you speak up and you find others to back you or to join you or to lean in, I think that's really the goal rather than being the loudest person in the room. I've met a number of people trying to make change within their organizations or to evangelize a change. That is something that is they believe in but they haven't taken the time to, you know, to create allies for lack of a better term or troops or to provide evidence that this is a direction to go with that other people care about. I hate to say it, but I've, I've lost a lot of good people as colleagues that instead of wanting to go that route, thought it would be much easier to remain quiet and to not raise their concerns. And only after they left did they tell me what they were feeling. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was feeling the same way. If you would have just said something and shared your voice, you would have found many other people feel the way you do too. And I think that's the thing that stops a lot of people from finding their voice is the fear maybe that others will shut it down or disagree. Maybe I'm onto something. I don't know, Jeff, but hopefully that's in the direction of what you're trying to achieve. Red, I love how I could cold call on you. (laughs) To use my professor term, I could cold call it on you and you could always add value to product managers. Fantastic. Appreciate it. Ronke, I want to know, dive deep into just an example maybe. Would you mind sharing a personal story, putting you on the spot if that's all right? Just how did you find your leadership voice? What, What happened that you started having confidence to speak out for others and speak out to push people forward? So we've been home since March 20th, um, uh, since March 10th, actually, of 2020. And at that time, I was doing my, I was finishing my MBA. So I sort of just focused on that and did my work. But then in 20, early 2021, I was, re- I was excited. I wanted, to go, I wanted to go back to work, right? And our organization was like, no, you're still going to keep working from home from now. But then what I also realized was, even if I did go back to work, everything had changed. I'm not, I mean, everything had changed. My scrum team, my my three in a box, you know, my tech lead, my designer, they were not the same person anymore. They'd all moved on. And I can, and then I started to notice not only did they move on, but they moved on to other roles and other organizations. Some moved out of the state, but I was still remaining still. I was still being complacent. I was in that same place, right? And so my mentor actually challenged me one evening when I was, you know, complaining to her about things have changed so much and I was just stuck in one place and I wanted to 
talk and I wanted to do blogs and I wanted to do product talks. And she challenged me and she said, what are you waiting for? <laughs> right? And I remember saying to her, I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, Ronky, she goes, you can literally write your blog anytime. She goes, you could go to YouTube and create a YouTube channel and talk about your product management stories that you want to pass on to the next generation of PMs. And that's what started it, really. That discussion led me into some deep introspective thinking. And I decided, okay, I'm going to use my leadership voice. But just all I did was write one blog. And it's Leadership in Tumultuous Times, where I talked about the day that that video came out about George Floyd, you know, and how I had to pretend like everything was fine when I went to my meetings that day, my planning meetings, you name it. I just had to pretend like everything was fine. But I wasn't fine. And how as the summer went on with everything that was going on in all the protests, I was trying to figure out how not to have myself, my pity party, but how to be of service to other people. And it started with that. Then I started to do other things, other product blogs. And, and then there was one particular blog I wrote about imposter syndrome. And I cannot tell you how many people would ping me, email, you name it, LinkedIn, you name it. And they would go, oh my God, I felt that way. Thank you for actually writing about this. I thought it was just me. And that's how it started for me, Jeff. Thank you for sharing. And, and that raises a question that I have. Ronki, feel free to take it or I could kick it over to Sumeya. But it sounds like finding your leadership voice is almost as important as finding your leadership ears, that you had something on your mind that you really deserved and needed to share. And it, it wasn't clear, maybe, you know, it's not always easy to have leadership ears where you're willing to listen to what people are going through and help help in some way. So Ronki or Sumeya, on the flip side of this leadership voice, how do you find your leadership ears? So Sumeya, do you want me to try this and then you can chime in? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Okay, no problem. So for me, after I decided I was going to get out of my pity party <laughs> and actually be of service to my colleagues and my family in the middle of this global pandemic, right? All I had to do was and I didn't know how simple this was. All I had to do was slack my colleagues and my friends at work and just see how they were doing. And one particular example I'll give you, Jeff, is there's a uh, developer of uh, who I work with, who we're just more than colleagues at this point. And I know he loves Marvel movies. So to check on him, I will literally just slack him a picture of Captain America and say Captain America is the best Avenger. And that in itself started a phone call where he would call me just to tell me I was wrong. And then we would talk about what was going on with him and his family because they're outside the country. And that's how it started. And I, and I started listening to all my colleagues and I started to understand that they were feeling what I was feeling, only it was different things. There were birthday parties that weren't being had. There were engagements that, were being, that wasn't going to happen, weddings that were going to be put on hold. And then I started to figure out how to connect with my colleagues. And then I started to figure out not only, but outside of that, how to start to connect in general to the larger product management community and tell my story. I, Ronki, Magic Adumi, African-American woman who moved to this country from, at age 11 from Nigeria, here are all the things that, I, all the tools that I, that I can pass on to help other people be successful. So, Sumeya? Yeah, I think, <laughs> I love what uh, you shared, Ronke. It's, it's uh, a couple of things that come through. And I think it, this is a, a great thing to highlight for everyone. The first one is the power of storytelling. And so a lot of times we discount our own stories uh, and we don't talk about them. We think they're not an effective mode or people are not interested in them when they are probably the most important part of, you know, the parts of the communication you do. You're telling the facts or sharing your perspective through storytelling is so powerful. So I love that you actually exhibited that also through your answers here. The second thing I think about a lot when it comes to finding your leadership voice and finding my own voice is that if I think about my performance in the in the in the past, that's when I feel the most confident. So I'm thinking back to, you know, I've been doing this for almost 20 years. So I'm thinking back to my first three years or four years as someone who's young and new and, and trying to work very hard and show up and, and make an impact and progress my career. You know, ambitious, really wanted to put the work in. But when it came to communicating effectively, I wasn't able to do it. My voice would shake. I would have a lot of doubts in the back of my mind. 
the more questions I got from the audience, the more unsure of myself I became. And some of these uh, communications or presentations or situations where I had to show up in a strong way just overwhelmed me. So when I think about those situations and what I had to work on to enable me to get better over time, the two things that were really important, one were preparation and realizing that a lot of the communication and the collaboration happens way before the meeting. The meeting sometimes is just this official thing that brings everyone together. And then the second thing is a mental or, or a mindset shift that allowed me to tell myself that I am capable of doing this. And those were the initial first steps. And then I had to do a lot more work to get better over time. And that mostly evolved around my audience. How do I communicate to my audience? How do I start from a place of empathy to them so that I can communicate effectively to them? Red, you mentioned, for example, the loudest voice in the room as something that's not necessarily always effective, but sometimes it can be. And so the most important part in listening is understanding what your audience needs and then giving it to them. And it could be that they might need you to be the loudest voice in the room. Wait, so what, I, I, Samia? What? <laughs> can hear you. <laughs> and so I don't discount any communication method as long as you can do it in a place or in a in a way that's authentic to you and I'll stop there all right we're going to get to audience questions and comments in just a moment but I want to go to our favorite question frameworks are there any frameworks or books or resources that are helpful for those people who are, are feeling something and wanting to push their organization forward but don't know how so Ronki I'll start with you if there's any frameworks, books, or resources that you would highly recommend? And then Sumeya always has an answer on this question for any topic. Okay, so forgive me, but I don't have, I can't remember the name of the book right now in my head. Um, so forgive me for that. But what I was going to tell you is, I mentioned earlier about diversity in product management. I'm big on data. So if I want my organization to move towards a certain way, right, I bring data to support those points. So I show, you know, I show data that, okay, we have emerging markets and we want to go into this market. I show data to show that a lot more customers are becoming more inclusion focused. So therefore, what are we doing to step up, right? I show data like, such as even the way we recruit, if we are putting MBAs required on a job posting when some candidates may not apply, if we are putting a job is tech, that you must be technical, like have a computer science degree, so and it doesn't require it, we're shutting out a pool of candidates. So I basically supply data to kind of emphasize my point, and that's another way. That's another way I use my leadership voice. Is this is how we can better get better pool of candidates, right, to apply for different roles, but. No one is just going to believe me by saying it. I had to supply data, but forgive me, I forgot the name of this particular author that I was going to reference about why it's important to have diversity in the room in product management. But I, I can send it to Slack later. All right. That's the beauty of the Slack channel is that we could follow up on what you hear here on how to succeed in product management. But I think that's a great point and an emphasis that we really can't make enough on this show about the importance of data in trying to lead. And so Sumeya, any frameworks, books, or resources that that you would like to recommend as people are trying to find their leadership voice? Yeah, absolutely. So framework first. <laughs> so when I work with people on my team or with mentees, there are four things that we usually focus on when talking specifically about communication. The first one is storytelling. And we spoke about that a little bit earlier. The second thing is data. So and no surprise there. We Ronke also mentioned it. The second one is sharing credit. And then the last one is explaining the what and why. 
So within each one of these, there is so much more. You know, in in the early days of someone developing their communication and, and skills and their voice, you might do one versus the other more often. You might be better at one versus the other. And so take feedback from the people around you to understand where you are, and then that helps you move forward. In terms of books, one of my favorite books that was helpful to me and to others is called Own the Room. It's by Amy Jensu and Muriel Wilkins. And the book talks about three specific components. The first one is focus. And and when I spoke earlier about thinking about my past performance, a lot of times you can derive a lot of confidence from your past achievements. You've done so much work to get you to where you are. And so thinking through that can help you create really strong communication. And it's, again, it's the mental mindset thing. The second one she mentions in the book is faith. And the faith thing, again, is about yourself and people around you on the team. And then the last one, I believe, is the facts. And we we talked about that uh, when we spoke about data. So those are a couple of frameworks that I've, you know, talked about before and used myself. But then beyond that, I think there are tactics in communication that can be helpful depending on the situation. Everything from what of what kind of data do you show to what kind of slides do you use? What stories would resonate with the people? And that's where the hard work comes in. All right. Now I've got a ton of questions, but I know that Red, actually, who cares about Red? You care about you. In the audience, you have questions. And I want to make sure that Ronki and Sumeya answer what you want to hear about. So Red, if you don't mind telling them how this goes, then doing your thing. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, this isn't about me. This is about getting you the opportunity to ask the questions you need to empower yourself, to find your voice, to find your place in the product management world. So I see people already doing it. There's this little hand raising thing at the bottom of Clubhouse. Just click on that if you would like to come on stage. As long as you have a picture and a bio that's reasonable, please, please join us and ask your questions. I see two hand raises over there that I I'm trying to invite up, and here we go. What I would ask is that as you join on stage, just mute yourself, and we'll go in the order of those who have joined. Also, for anyone else who is uncomfortable at uh, coming on stage because this is a recorded show, please uh, just direct message me within Slack, and I'll ask on your behalf. So if you're having trouble finding your voice this evening, do not hesitate. I will gladly represent you. And with that in mind, we have our very first Q&A of the evening, somebody that I do trust has a good grasp on timing. Ali, if I'm saying that correctly, you're a software testing engineer. The mic is yours. What's your question? How can we help? Hello. Thank you all for uh, for hosting me. It's Ali Leish here from uh, Cairo, Egypt. I'm software testing engineer and uh, aspiring product manager. I became interested in the topic of product management since March 2021. I have enrolled in two internships uh, related to aspiring product management. But right now, I didn't find the suitable opportunity. Um, my question is how to approach or how to get the right or how to start in product management career because it requires a lot of um, skill sets, a lot of the acknowledgement, a lot of knowledges. So I need uh, some specific uh, guidelines. Mm, Thanks. That's a great question. And it's, this has two pieces to it. One is maybe what are the requirements to go from an engineer to a product manager, which we've had topics in the past about. So highly recommend listening to past shows. But in addition to that, it's getting in front of the person or the company and using your voice to properly represent yourself or to find that individual. So I think this is this is interesting. Ronky, if you're comfortable, I'd love to start with you in, in really at the tip of the spear for this individual's career. Where does he start? So um, I have... There are plenty of engineers in my organization that want to move into a product role. So number one, what has worked out and what my recommendation is usually stay within the organization you are because they know you already, right? And you, you already know the product line. You already know the culture. So find somebody in the product management team that you can talk to on the leadership side that can kind of help you you know, slowly moving into that direction, whether it is shadowing them, whether it is shadowing their team and actually sitting in on their 
in their meetings, you know, when you have time and contributing to the discussions they're having about what future they want to build. But you really get a really good, you know, a really good view of what it is that day to day looks like. But starting the organization where you work in and then what because what that does is when there is a premium role, it makes it easier for you to not only apply for it, but get it because you've sort of been shadowing and helping them do that work all along. So it's an easier transition to move from engineering to product. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Anki. No problem. All right. And, and Sumeya, just because we've covered this topic so much in the past, I'd love for you to weigh in on this transition. But Ronki, I have to point out, this might be the first time that I remember, not that I heard, but that I remember someone saying, stay within your org because they know you as an eng and mm-hmm. that will help progression. I think that's just wonderful advice. Because you already have an, you already you yourself are a brand already in your organization. Everybody knows you, and mm-hmm. so why would you know what I mean? No organization wants to lose that kind of talent when they can help you progress, and it's a win-win for both of you, you the employee and you, the employer, right? Because you they don't have to retrain someone to backfill you. I mean, they will eventually when you move on. But you get my point, though. You know the culture. So when there's a new PM role, it's easier to move in. Well, you speak for your company and your company's culture. So whoever's in HR at PayPal right now is probably losing their <laughs> mind and out of pure love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, it's not every company that is that way. And I'm glad to, that you're representing what good looks like. So thank oh, you. No problem. Now, Samaya, I, I saw you, your microphone clapping over here at this uh, idea. And I always, always, when there's an engineer looking at being included into the PM world, what advice would you provide in this situation? I think I completely agree with Ronke. And to your point, we have a couple of shows that go into this in detail. So highly recommend that you check those out, Ali. Why don't you do that? And then we can, if you would like to follow up on LinkedIn, please ping me there. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much for asking the question. And then this sparked a question on me. Sorry to come back in, Red, but... Ronki and Sumeya, finding your leadership voice related to a common question people have in terms of time management as a product manager. How much time should you invest as a growing product manager to mentoring and helping others without any expecting anything in return, you know, helping people uh, who are looking to get into product management, helping others in your organization versus, you know, getting down to work and leading on the things that are on your OKRs that are that you're assigned to. Ron, do you have any comments on that question? Absolutely. So in my organization, part of my KPIs is grooming and helping other PMs, which includes, so for instance, in the summertime, uh, we have a program, an internship program, where we bring in aspiring product managers, recent college grads, people doing their MBA. Even if they're not working on my team, I still reach out to them to help mentor them, and that's part of my KPIs. So every six months, every quarter, whatever, I have to be able to tell my leadership what I'm doing to help other people. So work is always priority, obviously. But on my organization, we have what we call focus days, which is on Wednesdays. On focus days, we don't have any meetings whatsoever. We literally just our heads down doing our work so I can do my work there and catch up. But on Fridays, things are slower in my org. So that's when I schedule my one-on-ones with any new PMs that have just come into our org that wants to talk to me or any interns that, that even if they're in my org or not in my org, but they just want to talk to me, it's usually Friday in the afternoons because it's a little quieter. And that way also I'm present for that conversation and I'm not thinking about things that I didn't get done during the week. Uh, my take on this, Jeff, is to give as much as possible <laughs> because what you're going to find out over time is that you get out of that experience so much more than you anticipated. And the only way to find out what you get out of it is for you to try it. I think different companies prioritize this aspect differently. But if you're someone who's definitely interested in leadership positions or in managing others in the future, really this is the primary way for you to test that out, is to go out and be as helpful and as giving of your time and energy to other PMs or, you know, prospective PMs as possible. Having said that, my least favorite thing is when people who don't want to do that still do it to check the box. (laughs) And they just create situations that are not great for either them or the people that they're saying they're helping. 
And so don't force yourself. I mean, we are not all the same way. If you are not interested, don't do it. And I think there is a place for people like that in our community as PMs. Not everyone has to want to mentor others, and that's okay too. All right, Red, I, I got my question answered, and it looks like there's some hands up. So sorry to chime in there, but I was just really curious. It's your show, Red. <laughs> no worries. And Ellie, thank you so much again for, for coming on stage. Uh, we got other folks who are just jumping in now. But before, I want to reward a strong voice that came out to me on Slack. So on Slack, I'm going to refer to them as NY. You know who you are. They said, hello, I'm the first product manager of a crypto app. And I come in with experience from eight years of internal product management, but I'm still a bit nervous about the new role. Any tips on how to navigate will be very appreciated. Now, I don't want to dig in too much into what that could mean, but I believe there is a lot that's relevant to the conversation right now, which is if you're new to the role and you have that experience in the past, but you're new to this role at this company, especially in a hot new industry, it's growing like gangbusters. How do you find your footing? Ronky, I saw you come off mute. Yeah. Uh, hi, Red. So here's what my recommendation would be. This is what I have tried and I, my advice to other people, especially when they're new to their org, go make friends, go cultivate alliances. And also, so here's what I mean by that. As an example, if I am new to an organization, I make a list of all the people that I'm going to be working with and their leadership team. And then I go to my boss and I say, okay, here are all the people I'm going to go introduce myself to. And I also make sure that if my boss has like, I don't know, three, four colleagues, I make sure I meet them as well because I'm going to be working with their teams. When I go to meet them, apart from the regular, hi, how are you? Here's where I'm from and so forth. I ask them this really important question. What does success look like in this role in 30 days? What does success look like in this role in 60, 90 days? What do you think my biggest challenges would be in this role? I always ask those questions. And then I follow up with, how can I continue to meet with you and can I do it bi-weekly or is monthly better for you? What that does is it helps me automatically build, start to establish a relationship with leadership and also my colleagues. And so as I ask questions, I have somebody that I can ask those questions off. And I can, it helps me to find my footing because I know what the expectations are. So that's what's worked. Go make friends. Cultivate alliances. And the other thing I wanted to mention, you're not just cultivating those alliances for the job that you have. Those alliances follow you throughout your career. LinkedIn, those people may leave, go to other organizations that are always going to remember you and that you reached out and that you cared and that you wanted to know how to be successful. And even if the other thing I wanted to mention, when review time comes, your boss is going to ask his or her colleagues what they think of you. They're going to fill out 360s. Wouldn't it be great if you already had a relationship with them where you were meeting once a month and they were helping you and bringing you along and helping you find your footing? And then they will also begin to recommend you not only for promotions, but for presentations to their boss and their boss's boss. And that is how not only do you find your footing, but you create your own brand within your organization. Red, did I answer your question? Oh, wonderfully. And again, NY, thank you. This is exactly what we mean. They couldn't join the show, but they could find their voice to ask it. And I, I think that was, uh, hopefully, if they have follow-up questions, ping me and I'll represent further. Now, with that in mind, we have people on stage excited to get an idea of what questions you have. Near and dear to my heart is a design enthusiast that is also a minimalist. Asrar, what is your question? Hi, everyone, and thank you for holding this talk. I'm partly a student, a graduate student learning information systems, but I'm highly interested in uh, navigating to a career in product management. My question is, how do I keep getting practical knowledge and practical experience while I'm in, during my course? And so that, you know, I have enough experience to show and speak about, you know, when I'm interviewing at places. It's a great question. Samaya, I saw you come off mute, and I know this is a thing we've talked about in the past, please. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is one of my favorite questions, at least, because as a student, you're probably working on projects, you know, team projects or capstone projects, and those create an opportunity for you to build something that can go out there in the world and make an impact. A lot of the questions that PMs get are about why did they build certain product? Who 
is it serving? What problem is it solving? And those are all things you can do without having to work within a company. And so, you know, because you have around you in your university a team of people or people with different skills and capabilities, you're able to do so much more than if you were just by yourself, let's say, for example. So I think the 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 short answer to this is build something create a product of some kind and take it out in the world and learn from that experience. You can probably find alumni who who might want to be mentors to you through that process. And so not only will you be able to learn through the experience, but you'll be able to talk about it in a way that product people recognize. Because I think usually that's the only, you know, gap you have within, let's say, an educational institution is that sometimes people talk about product in a in a different way than people do in industry but that's not always true i'm just talking about a couple of cases that i've i've seen myself Ooh, the battle for who's going to respond first (laughs) ronky wins in the corner what's up oh yeah so no problem so i get this question a lot and i completely agree with samia build something i always tell somebody build something i give them examples take the starbucks app Starbucks apps is awesome. They've done the user experience and design is fantastic, right? But it can always be improved. I can tell you other things you can add to the Starbucks app. Play that game. Go figure out how you can improve other apps. If you're traveling, American Airline app, how can you improve it? United Airline app. I can literally list for you every product that I use, what I can do to make it better and why. And then also what they want to know, right, is not only did you build something, but what is your MVP? Did you have a North Star? Why did you pick that particular MVP? What is your target market segment, right? Those are all questions you're gonna get asked. And the only way you're gonna know how to be able to answer those is to just try to build something, anything at all. And I'll just give you an example. Um, A friend of mine, same thing, mentoring a young person who was trying to get into product. This kid helped to raise money for a charity in his town, right? But he never mentioned it in his resume. (laughs) And those are the kinds of things, right? Because he did it from scratch. He actually built this thing from scratch to collect money for a charity. And so he was able to talk about that in his interview and he actually did get the job. We helped him and he got the job through the interview process. So build something. It doesn't matter what it is. Go through the motions. Just have a vision. What is the North Star? What is your MVP? What is your target market? Why is this important? What problem is it going to solve? And so forth. That way you can talk about it in your interview. Jeff? Well, I, I think we got it. Jeff, What? please weigh in. Please. I was just going to admit, sadly, I am multitasking because at this moment, we currently have an information session where we're talking about people applying to the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator, which has a goal to empower 100 professionals from historically marginalized communities to land their first product management role by June 2022. And so I'm furiously answering questions in the chat that's happening there as people are trying to find out when to apply and how to apply and, and when it is. So I missed that part of yeah. the question. I'm, that's not good leadership ears. I apologize. No, no, this is actually really relevant. So Jeff, your leadership right now for the group of people trying to get it to be a part of this accelerator are going through the same thing us Rar is trying to do, which is once I've been through the education, how do I show to an organization that I am deserving of being their product manager in Asrar? You heard it from Samaya. You heard it from Ronki. The idea here is roll up those sleeves, do a SWOT analysis of Starbucks, and go ahead and build us a better, better future. And I mean, Starbucks is the working example. Maybe PayPal, because <coughs> you know you might know someone who works there. Cough, cough. So on that front, Aswar, thank you for the question. Now, as far as the Slack channel that we have going, Jeff, I'm furiously working back and forth because so many people are asking me to ask questions on their behalf. But actually, Sumeya, you've got a fan over here that wanted me to say something on their behalf to you about frameworks. And I know you like frameworks. So this is coming from WH. You know who you are. They wanted to point out that a great framework they've been using for communication, which is called EPIC. And I think you might have referenced this in the past. Please tell me you are familiar with the acronym EPIC. And Sumay, if you are not, they've told me what it means. Yes, absolutely. And I am a fan. 
But I think giving too many frameworks in one call <laughs> can be sometimes <laughs> counterintuitive. One of the, I think, important uh, principles is clarity. But yeah, I, I think it's one that if it works for you, you should definitely use it. Well, for those who are curious and love acronyms to guide their life, Epic stands for empathy, purpose, insights, and communication. I think going back to what Sumaya, you said earlier about empathy and communication, if you're someone who just has to act according to frameworks or needs guidance, you know, Google the Epic framework again, empathy, purpose, insights, and conversation, not communication, sorry. So thank you, WH. That is another great contribution. And Sumeya, we only poke fun. Frameworks are not all, but they are so easy to remember. And I love them. Definitely. (laughs) And this is one that's a great one too. Awesome. And uh, another question for Jeff. We will DM Jeff about inclusiveness. We got people who are curious about joining it. But Asrar, you asked your question. Now we got Michael Lee. Michael, you've been patiently waiting, hanging out in the trees. For anyone who's curious about what animal that is, I'm guessing it. it might be a sloth that is representing your photo on Clubhouse. But for someone who is a pragmatic speaker of all things, Michael, what is your question? The mic is yours. And Michael, if you hit the mute button, you can jump off mute and weigh on in. Michael, can you hear us? Okay, technical difficulties in the Clubhouse world. This is a live show and we roll with it. Raul, you are a past speaker and someone I recognize pretty quickly. Raul, welcome to the stage. For those who have not met Raul, and you're not in Clubhouse, head of product. If you're someone who's in the mobile industry, mobile gaming industry, this is someone to know. Raul, please, welcome to the stage. I assume it's either a question or a contribution. Also, congrats on the new job, Raul. Yeah, it's amazing how like one word just sort of changes everything in the title, right? (laughs) It's a Interesting. I'm sorry my uh, my voice is a little coarse. I'm not feeling too well, but Samaya, Jeff, Fred, thanks for, for creating the space every week. I really, I really appreciate it. I always enjoy coming here. And Rocky, it's, it's, if, I, if I pronounce your name right, it's great meeting you as well. Um, and everything you're saying, really love sharing, hearing your insights. There was uh, someone who just left the stage. I think his name was Asrar, and, and, and uh, he asked the question about, um, remind me, I think it was about how to get into product management when you're in college, right, before you graduate. And, and I'm here to tell everybody that we're going to get a thousands and thousands of applicants who come in with the same resumes, with the same, you know, working with charities, with the same experience. They built a hundred products. So the thing that sets them apart, I think, in my experience, is what they leave me with. You know, they leave me with a packet of a design document of what they think of my product, or they leave me with a written up of specs of... These are some issues and, and here's some uh, uh, descriptions of bugs that you can fix. Or they leave me with um, some kind of uh, information that I can take away and I can look at. And even if I look at it or don't look at it, it's important that you you leave something with the person that you're, you're interviewing. With. Does that does that make sense? Because oh, yeah. we're in, a, we're, we're in a, a day now where everyone has the same resources, where everyone can just go online and take courses but once you're in that interview, and even if you 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 bomb it and, and you stutter and, and you don't speak well and, and, and something happens, you can still leave an impression if you have some kind of uh, takeaway like that. Like, wow, this is this is impressive. This person left me all this information, and maybe they fumbled through the interview. But if this is what they can really do, this is the type of person I want on my team. So don't so don't just think it's a one interview, one and done. Um, you know, just. De- definitely do your research and try to, I, th- I think before you were talking about create your own product, and I totally agree. But if you can't do that or you don't have time and you don't have time to learn a lot of pro- uh, tools, just dive right into what the product is you're applying for and just write up something or, or, or do a video or something to, to lead them away. And yeah, I- I'm rolling. I'm done speaking. And yeah, thank you. It sounds like you're telling them to find their voice when interviewing. I That's what so. I think. And if you can't find it, like <laughs> do, do sign language or do something uh, yeah. to, to get there. Thank you, Raul. And I saw Ronky come off the mute. What's up? No, I completely agree with Raul. Thank you so much for chiming in. That's exactly what I tell PMs, by the way, is if you're applying at PayPal, log on to PayPal. (laughs) Tell me what you're going to improve about the app. Tell me what you're going to improve about Venmo. Do a Google search. What are the customers that use PayPal, right? PayPal.com, what would you improve there and why? Right. And the other one I always tell PM, uh, aspiring PMs, go to LinkedIn, follow the CEO, the CTO and the CFO of the organization you are interviewing with. The reason they are posting things about their organization. 
Not only what they're doing to make the world a better place, but they're posting news about their organization. That way, even in an interview, even if, like, you know, like Raul said, you, you know, I stutter. Not everybody's perfect in an interview, but if you can really talk passionately about what is it about their product, that that why you want to lead it, and not only that, but why the news that they're announcing, the merger that they just uh, you know got involved in, the acquisition that they just bought, God, why it's important, right? Why it's important? What is it going to do for their product? What does it do for the com- for the competitive space? I think those are all important things. I got to tell you, I just heard about a company that is willing to give feedback when you're interviewing, which is feedback is gold. I'm hearing about companies that are inspiring engineers to stay within the org and to to grow within the org rather than to go out to find that dream role. I mean, Ronky Rowell, you're giving me so much hope and faith in the companies that we spend a lot of time interacting with. So well done, really. I want to bring this back to Jeff now at this point. This is four minutes to the hour. We had a lot of really good questions. And more importantly, this time, we had a bunch of people weigh in in Slack, which was really helpful. So thank you to everybody for participating. And uh, Jeff, back to you now for closing thoughts. All right. Yes, thank you for participating. Red, thanks for managing. And I want to go back to something that Raul said and to Ronke's original point. Product management roles are getting thousands of applications. I talked to somebody who had a role and they had 3,700 applications. And the way typically people sort through this is by education, by where they work, and by people who they know referring them. And I'd like Ronke to comment on this, but that f- system is flawed. And so we, we talked about this from the side of people trying to get into product management and, and Raul gave some good guidance to how to get noticed. But that process is flawed because that's bias on top of bias on top of bias that's continually leaving people out. And so Ronke, with finding your leadership voice, as we see that this is a problem, what could the listener who's in a position to solve it, what can they do to find their leadership voice? So I have some good news. <laughs> My organization is leading the effort to solve that. Especially in the last couple of years, we know that we must hire people who don't look like us. We need diverse voices in the room. We need diverse opinions in the room because we are building for a changing demographic, right? And in order to, for us to compete globally. And also we have inclusion-focused customers who are looking at us and going, who am I, t-? you know, the people I'm working with don't look like me. So for us, my organization, my we are actually looking outside. They are looking at historical black colleges. They're looking, they're hiring recruiters to help them find diverse candidates. If you are a PM applying, like they said, it is crowded. <laughs> it's so crowded. LinkedIn, find the recruiter for PayPal and ping them on LinkedIn. That's another way. I did that myself when I was applying because it is so crowded. They're getting thousands of resumes every day, thousands of applications. That's one route. But so I would start with LinkedIn. I would start with going to conferences and go to the booth where you see PayPal or any other company like Google. Go meet actual people, PMs who work for that organization in the booth. Go to Women in Product. That is how PayPal found me. Women in Product Conference. Grace Hopper, you name it. Mind the product. PayPal, we sponsor that. But go into the booth, introduce yourself, get their business card and keep in touch with them. All right. Thank you. And since Ronke says Twitter is doing great work, we're going to have to add them to this list that I'm about to tout here. I'm grateful that Amazon, Salesforce, and T-Mobile are platinum sponsors on the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator as we're working to empower 100 professionals from historically marginalized communities to land their first product management role by June 2022. So Amazon, Salesforce, and T-Mobile put big money into helping us make this program free uh, because if we're going to break down barriers, we have to open it up. Uh, we, it's really important to us to make this a free program so that the, the best talent uh, could find their way into product management, uh, not just the talent that uh, knows somebody or has the time and resources to dedicate to it. So we're grateful for Amazon, T-Mobile, and Salesforce putting in big money to make it that we could have this program free. And Starbucks was the first company to make a donation or or to sponsor it. So we're grateful for the four of those companies. And hopefully Ronke will add Twitter to that list, but I'm glad to hear that there's some things that your company is doing. I think more companies need to realize that that, uh, Houston, we have a problem. We, We can't do business as usual just using the standard filters that have been used in the past. This was a great conversation in 
and it is time to conclude it. Sumay, I want to give you first shot since usually you have to bounce right at the hour. Any concluding thoughts on finding your leadership voice? Yeah, absolutely. I think we didn't get to talk a lot about the tension that product managers have to manage when it comes to communication, but it is something that you know, that's ever present in everything we do. It is where we live in in this world of tension between one force and the other. And so I think for us specifically, when it comes to communication, there is an aspect of humbleness and being a hero that we have to definitely manage. And sometimes we need to be one and others, we need to be the other. And, And sometimes we have to be both at the same time. You know, there has to be integrity, but also politics at play. So you have this high integrity and then politician aspect that we also have to to manage. You have the strategic executor aspect. So as you're communicating, you need to show that you understand the details, you know what you're talking about, but yet keep a strategic and a visionary mindset and and communicate your vision as well. There is a humanist part of you and also a tech-savvy part. So the humanist is telling stories that can resonate, but then a, a very has to be right on the dot, speak about data, give credit where it's there. And so I, I have a lot of appreciation for the art and the dance that has to go into this and how sometimes you have to pull on one lever more than the other. And I think keeping in mind a couple of things, one, courage might mean different things to you at different times, but be courageous. Keep learning and experimenting. Don't let different audiences, you know, deter you from speaking to them. There are a lot of different tactics you can use and go for it, you know, experiment with them. Just don't let fear hold you back. And I, and I love some of the stories, Ronki, you shared, especially the first one about why wait. Don't let that hold you back. It's really on you. Take ownership of it and you'll get a lot of respect for that. All right. Thank you, Sumeya. You're here every week on how to succeed in product management, giving fantastic insight after fantastic insight. And today we were special, joined by a special guest, Ronki from PayPal, speaking on her own behalf, of course. But Ronki, any concluding thoughts that you hope the audience takes away from today's conversation? Yes. Please use your leadership voice, because when you use your leadership voice, you get to make changes. That's how changes come about. Changes transpire because you use your leadership voice. And also, when you use your leadership voice, if that road is not constructed for the next generation that's coming after you, you can help to build that road and make the road easier for them. That way, that generation coming after you can build the impossible products right? that today you don't think is possible, but they can build it because you've laid the foundation. So use your voice. All right. Thank you, Ronki. Really appreciate your time today. Red, last but not least, are you red? E, <laughs> never gets old, to me at least. Are you ready to give us some concluding thoughts? Oh, Jeff, I love you <laughs> so much. I would say, <laughs> oh God, don't don't contribute. Don't encourage him, Sam. I'm sorry, that was awesome. <laughs> it's a delayed reaction, you know, but it, it still works. <laughs> well, I, I was laughing and uh, and then I had to do the unmute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <Just> gonna... <laughs> uh, not the delayed reaction, a continued reaction. That's how good it is. I'm it's glad great. you found your voice, Jeff. I'm glad you found your voice. So if I had to encourage anyone here to do anything as a next step, it's to practice. Find a champion or a coach or a friend. Uh, there, There's this concept of you're not in, lo- in this alone, but you need to still practice. If you're going to try to find your voice, you should just at least have someone you can try it with that you trust can give you advice and guidance. So if you're looking for someone, I'm happy to raise my hand. If you want to slack me, be like, yo, Red, I just want to practice with you before I practice with my manager. It wouldn't hurt. Find a buddy, an accountability, a friend you can trust that will get you through it and will give you honest feedback. Because honestly, if you get frustrated when you find your voice that someone's not listening, you should ask yourself is this really how I wanted it to sound? And did I practice enough times? The best speakers I've ever met practiced at least 28 times before they go live on stage. That's a crazy data point. But if you're someone who's interested, I do have a book recommendation, Jeff. It's called Backable. 
It's by friend Sunil. Is someone that I think you're going to really vibe with if you check out the book Backable. Just Google it or look it up on Amazon. It has nothing to do with product management per se, but it has everything to do with helping you find how to get your vision, your voice out there and to get others to lean in as you so wish they would on a regular basis. So ping me if you want more recommendations on that front. But Jeff, that's that's what I would say. All right. I almost feel like a concluding, concluding thoughts because I just want to hear from all three of you more and more. But we'll have to get Ronky back on this show another time in the future. And for, uh, Sumeya and Red are here every single week, so your questions will be answered by them. I just want to say thank you to Ronky for choosing this topic. It was a meaty topic and for using your leadership voice where it matters there at Twitter and then using your leadership voice, spending a, an hour with us to inspire people to build that better future that, that we all want to see. I've got no more concluding thoughts than that, except for to plus one everything that was said and to really hope that you follow what Ronke said to speak out make the world better. Uh, and you can do that through product management. It's a wonderful role where you get to prioritize what gets innovated. And so you could prioritize important innovations that help everybody. So we'll see you next week on how to succeed in product management. We're here every Tuesday at 4 p.m. on Clubhouse. And uh, the podcast comes out the following Wednesday. Download it, subscribe to it, rate it five stars, and ask your questions of us. And there's one more thing that I think I'm supposed to conclude with, but it's escaping me. So, Red, close us out. What's one more thing they should do before we say goodnight? Ooh, easy. Please like your hosts, Jeff, Sumeya, Ronke. Please click on their faces, subscribe to them, find them on Slack, or look them up on LinkedIn. These are the people. This is the advice. And Ronke said to do it. If you're someone looking to get an edge and to grow, you got to start making those connections. So get on out there. That's your action item, folks. All right. We'll see you next week here on How to Succeed in Product Management when we are talking roadmapping and prioritization with a, a brilliant product leader. So hope you'll join us next week. Have a great night.